When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in. What is huddle with me, Bram? No Marcus, at least up front right now. But joining me per usual, my master of all things video and sound, Maxime. How's it going? Maxime, I am fired up to announce that rejoining us after hell of long, the former Golden State beat writer for the Bay Area News Group, who covered the rise of a dynasty, a high-profile sports author who has significantly contributed to more media outlets than I can list, including Fox Sports Radio, Spectrum Sportsnet Television, and Sports Kita, a current L.A. sports scene expert and a fellow member of Table 9 at a wedding we attended just last week, Mr. Mark Medina. What's going on, Mark? Bram, I'm just riding the wave of the high of uh, being uh, having the honor of joining a wedding party with you. Table 9 is the most... Uh, Important part of the resume, I would say. No question. I got a softball about your resume in a second. First, a quick story. So, Maxime, Mark and I went to Connor's wedding just last week, um, and we did, in fact, sit at the same table. And I got a story that will be new uh, to you, Mark. Maxime, I may have already bothered you about this. So, you know, we, we parted ways, I don't know, 10, 30, 11 p.m. Um, and as you know, I attended that wedding without my wife. So it, it got a little awkward. I, I had a phenomenal time at the wedding, phenomenal time at the table, phenomenal time throughout. But when the dancing started, and I am not a confident enough person to go out there and dance on my own, it was weird. It was a little awkward because I didn't have my wife, right? So I, I opted to leave earlier maybe than the rest of the group. So I couldn't take one of those shuttles. I had to take an Uber. Yeah. So the story picks up. I don't know. It's like 1130. This wedding is way off in the Livermore winery off the beaten path. So I order an Uber and you got to wait 10, 15 minutes. I'm not sure it's going to show. So after waiting, 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 a car finally pulls up. I'm super excited. You know, I'm not going to get stuck in this fucking place. Open up the back door, hop in and the back door or the back seat is just filled with pizzas, which I thought was kind of weird, but whatever. And I now know someone at the wedding must have ordered pizzas. And I hopped in the pizza delivery car thinking it was my Uber. He was not an Uber. I got in and the guy was like, what the fuck? Like immediately, like I was kidnapping him. It was very awkward, Mark. So great time at the wedding. Great time with you. But it ended in kind of a weird way for me. Let's put it that. So, Bram, I got to ask you, did you eat any of the pizza? <laughs> no, no, I did. I got out of the car immediately. <laughs> And I'd like to tell you that the interaction ended right then, right? Like I got out of the car and my Uber arrived. <laughs> it did not. 
I had to stand there for like another five or six minutes as this dude walked up and down these stairs carrying pizzas down and periodically looking over at me reminded me that I was an asshole. So, you know, it was shout out. It, just in case you're listening, Mark, you know that Uber drivers sometimes listen to this show. Shout out if you're, if you're listening to the Uber driver who didn't pick me up in time to save me from the pizza interaction. It was uh, an awkward one. Well, Bram, just like the Uber driver that I was with or the Lyft driver, uh, that turned down the podcast. I think that that pizza delivery driver is going to do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> to add one last piece of color here, and then we'll get to warrior stuff. Uh, but when my Uber driver did arrive, because this, this winery was off the beaten path, man. You know, like it took a while to get there. There's no street lights, like nothing like that. The Uber driver arrives and he said, "If you looked anything like Mark or Michael Myers, I was going to hit you with my car and drive away." <laughs> So like in that setting is the setting that I hopped into the pizza guy's car. Um, but I digress back to sports. So I meant what I said, dude. your, your um, to borrow your line, your resume reads like a Wikipedia page. Now give us a sense. Where are you working currently? Where can we find you? Well, Bram, I, I guess it depends on the day <laughs> because uh, you know, this is just the nature of how freelance work is, but on the right hand side, I've been with Sports Not Sporting Tribune. I'm going to start doing some work with Sports Kita. They're a uh, website, I think, based overseas in India. Um, but hey, it's a global game, right? Uh, on the TV end, I'm doing stuff with CBS LA with the great Jim Hill um, on Spectrum Sportsnet and uh, occasionally on FS1 on the radio side, uh, Fox Sports Radio. And then certainly on the podcast side, Warriors Huddle uh, is where I proudly represent both in audio form and in t-shirt form. You know, we love that t-shirt. Quick update for me. You can actually find me in the back of pizza delivery vehicles, just weddings across the nation. Awkwardly, they don't want me there. But uh, if you're looking for me, that's exactly where you can find me. One more um, non-Warriors related, but certainly basketball related thing, Bronny James. So literally just today, a pretty concerning story about LeBron's son, who's just starting a uh, collegiate career at USC. Mark, what happened and any updates, man? Yeah, it's pretty, it's very concerning, obviously, because uh, you're dealing with something that could potentially be life or death. But thankfully, you know, through a family spokesperson, you know, they mentioned that, you know, Broad, Bronny uh, suffered a cardiac arrest when he was practicing yesterday. He was taken to hospital, but since he was dispatched out of the ICU and he's in stable condition, and so there's a bunch of unknowns moving forward on what his recovery is going to be, even if he's going to return to play. But I think the 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 relatively comforting thing, you know, when I've talked to, uh, you know, different cardiologists today is that the fact that he got immediate care is a good thing, because if you don't have uh, a quick response for medical team in terms of training staff, CPR, et cetera. Like this is a life or death situation. Sure. So, you know, the most important thing is that that obviously didn't happen and, and he's getting better, but there are a bunch of unknowns of what the next steps entail. There very much could be a return uh, to play, but you know, who knows how long or short that will be. Is that guaranteed? And so, I mean, obviously developing story, who knows? And the cardiologists who you talk to today aren't treating Bronny, so they aren't necessarily in the know. But from what you understand, is there a risk on his basketball future? Is this just a temporary blip? I mean, how, how did they explain it to you? 
Yeah, generally, there's a lot of optimism that one, as, as long as they're immediately cared for and uh, taken to the hospital and dispatched within a few days, that uh, things will get back to normal. Now, you know, that doesn't mean that he's going to suit up and practice tomorrow, right? There is sure. going to be incremental uh, steps that he has to take. But yeah, there's definitely relative optimism that uh, he'll be back to normal. Um, but there's also an unknown. I mean, I think one of the things that the medical team and obviously uh, not just the hospital, but the trainers, coaches, you know, Ronnie's parents and close friends, they all have to be able to be, get a better sense of why this happened and then go from there. And the thing about cardiac arrests is that um, it very well can be just random acts. Sometimes it's, it's external where, you know, maybe the player wasn't hydrated enough, loss of electrolytes, you know, the, the temperatures have been rising this summer, but he is, he was playing indoors. But the, all those things can factor in. But it could also be because of something wrong with his heart. And so they really just have to get, obviously, more information on all those things to then proceed, you know, how quickly or slowly he can return. I mean, at the risk of stating the absolute obvious, our thoughts are out there for the James family. We're wishing nothing but a speedy and uh, complete recovery. And what a shitty story, man. Just just a difficult thing. Um, transitioning us into the Warriors. Before we get there, a quick audio video question for Maxime. I'm going to go video specific. So it turns out, Maxime, dude, like the skill set of looking into a camera while talking to other people is not natural for me. Like I'm looking at this camera now and it looks like I'm constantly looking to the left. Any tips on how I can handle it? Is it awkward that I'm not looking directly into the Mac computer camera here or what should I be doing here? I mean, I feel like you got to put your own image as close to the camera as possible and then you'll it'll seem like you're looking at it because we all know you're just looking at yourself the whole time. Factually accurate. That's what I'm looking at now, but it, it looks like I'm looking to the left. And every time I try to look just into the camera, I kind of space out because I can't really see any of you guys. So for those watching on YouTube, if it looks like I'm looking off to the to the side, blame Maxime. I blame Maxime. <laughs> every time. A hundred percent. Let's talk Warriors, boys. And let's go to a segment we haven't done forever. And it's one I really enjoy. It's called the over under. All right. So the concept over under is a Vegas concept. And Vegas came up with it to allow people to gamble easily. You know, tourists who roll into a sports book who have no idea what the fuck they're looking at. The over under is the easiest way to gamble. And here's the idea. Vegas will attribute a number to something. Uh, let's say how many points Steph Curry is going to score in a single game. They'll put it at 30.5. Then you go in and you bet. Is it going to be over or under it? Right. So if I bet over, he's got to score more than 30.5. If I bet under, he's got to score less. So the concept itself is easy. We're going to borrow that for a segment. I'm going to give you my own over-unders and see what you guys think. Here's the first, all right? Minutes per game for Jonathan Kaminga from January 1st forward, right? So they got to figure out the rotation for a few months. We'll get through the Christmas game, that kind of stuff. But you hope that by January, now we're really working on the rotations and, and seeing where this goes. I put the number at 25, 25 minutes per game. To, for point of reference, last year, he played 20.8. So he played almost 21 minutes a game, which is a little more than I thought it would be. And we've heard, you know, this is a big year. We, we're going to need him to contribute. So I'm going to go to you first, Mark. What do you think? Over, under 25 for JK minutes played. Yeah, that seems like a reasonable number. Uh, I would go, yeah, 
I would basically go even, but slightly over. Um, and this is assuming that the Warriors don't trade them, of course, uh, before the trade deadline if they want to, you know, further lean into the veterans and be in win-now mode. But, yeah, I think that, no doubt, uh, part of the reasons why, you know, they've been making some moves in the last few years that, you know, fall under salary cap cost-cutting wasn't just to be able to, you know, save money, give them more tools to assemble the roster. It was to pave the pathway for their younger players to play. Now, as we know, that hasn't always worked out as planned, but I think that this is ultimately the sink or swim year, the same way that Jordan Poole was last season. So I think that that number is certainly reasonable. Now, what happens with that number uh, as far as the quality of play, that is is the ultimate question because – it's very intriguing about his uh, potential as well as his weaknesses. I mean, frustratingly, if he got traded, then the over is a lock. You know what I mean? Like if he went into any other location, he'd probably get as many minutes as he could possibly eat. Um, so for me, I'm going to take the over, but I'll, I'll be transparent. Before I did a little research, before I knew how many minutes he played last year, I was going to say the under for sure. I was even going to put the number at a lower number. And then I was surprised looking up the stats that it was already at 20.8 last year. So my over is an optimistic one. You know, it's assuming that he's actually going to embrace and be good at the increased role that the Warriors want out of him, that he becomes the rebounder, maybe that he hasn't been, um, and that they could take advantage of uh, his athleticism and his youth. But I go over. Fuck it, man. You know, we're still off season here. Let's be optimistic. Maxime? Yeah, hell yeah. And and I think you touched on something that's really important, which is his youth. And that's in, uh, you know, a bit of a distinction to the starting lineup. If he's going to be playing the four spot, you know, maybe he's going to be backup minutes for Draymond. Uh, and we might be wanting to preserve a little bit of Draymond's remaining youth. Uh, sure. Right. And so that's just, that's, that's a, that's a reason to have Kaminga getting more minutes at the same time. We're all feeling pretty optimistic that Chris Paul will be anchoring the second unit. And if that's the case, he might actually make Jonathan Kaminga look a lot better. We know that Kerr is more liable to play a young guy like Moody over Kaminga because Moody's just like a little bit safer of a bit. He's less likely to make mistakes. The highs aren't as high, but the lows aren't as low either. Um, And I think Chris Paul actually might make Kaminga look quite a lot better um, just by getting the ball to him in the position that he can most succeed, right? Just that high basketball IQ thing. So I think those two things, right? The like youth in contradistinction to the starter's age. Um, and then also, Chris Paul just making him look better. Right? I'm going to take the over as well. I like the word contradistinction. That's nicely played by you. I also agree with most of the analysis. I only say most because I got distracted by the trying to look into the camera and it didn't really work out for me again. But the things I heard, I thought were <laughs> on the money to our next. All right, over under. The number is 30. Here's the idea. Steph Curry points per game. All right, so last year, Steph averaged 29.4. So we're not talking a huge jump, but also worth saying that 29.4 is one of the highest in his career. You know, that's he's always had incredible numbers, but not necessarily 30 points per game. To give you some uh, time to think here, Mark, I'll go first. I say over, all right? But there's some more rationale than just optimism. I think Steph is primed for just an enormous year. He's coming off a huge playoffs. There's no question about that. Secondly, this year, both from the team standpoint and from everyone's standpoint, is about maximizing Steph. You know, that CP3 trade, all of these things is recognizing that his title window might be closing and they need to go all the way in. So I think that uh, he recognizes that. And then in related, 
this offseason has been Steph's like coming out party as a superstar. So I, I know that he has four titles. I know he's already won MVPs. I know he's already been labeled a superstar. But if you look around, his um, presence is way more during this offseason than it has been any other time. I don't know if it's because of the documentary. I don't know if it's because he wants to strike while the iron is hot right now, but we've seen him at a Drake show. We've seen him giving multiple interviews. We've seen him being a part of all of these podcasts. I think he is embracing his presence as a top five player, and I think we're going to see that next year. So I take the over. Mark? Well, Bram, I liked all the points that he made, but I'm going to take the under on a technicality because sometimes the Warriors version of going all in on Steph is making sure that they don't make Steph have to go all in, if that makes sense. So yeah, sure. I think that, you know, we, as we've seen throughout his career, we're going to see multiple defenders, multiple schemes, but there's also going to be a lot of effective defenders on the Warriors that will limit his workload, whether that's Steve Kerr with his playing time, Chris Paul being there. Um, I think Clay Thompson's due for a better season. So because of his shot totals, scoring totals going up by default, that might decrease the Steph's workload. But look, we're talking tomato, tomato here, you know, Steph getting 27, 28, 29 points as opposed to 30. I watched a movie recently where one of the characters dropped the line just because that sentence is symmetrical doesn't mean it makes sense. And I tried to keep it in the pocket like I've wanted to use it. And unfortunately, your <laughs> symmetrical sentence there did make sense. So I can't use it, but it was close. I got like, I got like, here's my chance. And then it didn't, uh, it didn't actually land for me. Maxime, I got a separate Steph question for you. But first, uh, let me bask in something. So I say this all the time into this microphone, and I want to say it again right now. We are so fucking lucky to have Steph Curry in our lives, but I'm going to weaponize it in a way today that maybe I haven't in previous podcasts. We got a couple of quotes that I'm stealing from a Ringer podcast. So I said, Steph has been making the rounds. He has been in a, a ton of public settings. One of those public settings is he appeared with Raja Bell and Logan Murdoch on the Ringer's uh, Real Ones podcast. And I got a couple of clips from you. The first comes from Raja, who played with Steph during his rookie year. And this is Raja talking about an experience he had in a practice in the middle of Curry's first year in the league. And then secondly, I just touched on Nelly. Like I've told a story before, Steph, I was fucking blown. I was fucking blown away, man. Like I was rehabbing, I was rehabbing my wrist and I would go out to some like occupational therapy. So I'd pull up on top of whatever that is, that Marriott, like five minutes before practice would start, right? Like yeah. five minutes, y'all would be in there juiced up, ready to go. And I'd have to hustle in and get changed. And this one time I pulled up and there was this, this like old school single cab truck, like sitting right by the door. I shit you not. It was sitting right by the door. And I was, I wouldn't have paid much mind to it except smoke was coming out of the windows. And I was like, oh shit, that truck's on fire. So I ran over. <laughs> That's a way to put it. <laughs> Bro. Yeah. I ran over and Nelly was sitting in the driver's side, smoking a cigar petting his dog on the front seat next to him, man. This is five minutes before practice started. <laughs> lucky, the, lucky the Chihuahua. That was his That's uh, what's up. Uh, he come through that side door like five minutes before practice in his little trench coat. Uh, yeah. put, he put his stool up on the side and just call out plays the whole practice. It was such God an damn, interesting bro. vibe from day one. So, yeah, we learned, we learned a lot quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so here's what just screams to me 
from that clip, right? It wasn't just that Steph inherited a terrible team when he first played. He, they won 26 games his first year and didn't get over that for the next three years. He also inherited a legendary coach. I mean, there's no question. Don Nelson, legendary coach, who no longer gave one fuck by the time Steph was there. And he took that scenario, a scenario that could probably sap anybody's legendary talent, took that scenario and created a dynasty, which, which cannot be overstated. It is insane that he got there. But that's not even the quote that stuck out to me the most. All right. Let me play you the second quote. And this one, I think, shows that he is as incredible off the floor as an athlete as he is on it. Um, they asked Steph about the roles on the team now that CP3 has joined the Warriors. And it's a real spicy topic since the whole you coaching press conference we had with CP3. Here's how Steph handled that. You kind of touched on connecting lineups, right? Like as CP3 is concerned. And like, I want to I want to ask, because at least, like in theory, I understand what you're saying, but you could argue at times, at least historically speaking in his game and what you guys try to do as an offense, those things don't, at least to the naked eye, look like they fit all the time. Like, the, you know what I'm saying? Like, so I'm of the belief that great teams and great players figure those things out and people can adjust. How much of that is is on you guys and coaches to kind of incorporate Chris and try to figure out what's best there and how much of it is on Chris to come in and say, all right, look, this is kind of the way we do it. Like, how do, how do you see that? Like, maybe not a perfect world, but how do you see that playing out? I think it starts with us as, as the players to – we always say, like, a great team – that has a lot of talent and, you know, guys that know how to do it. You have to bring your egos, bring your full identity of who you are to the table, but you also have to know, you know, when to sacrifice for the betterment of the group. And that is the big question for us is, you know, how do we put all of any agendas on the side and say, we're just trying to win, right? We're trying to maximize these, the great years that we have left because, you know, we, we know that there's a timeline to this. And what it looks like shouldn't matter, right? It, we know that there's, you could argue seven guys that could argue they should start. There's seven guys that could argue they should finish games and do the math. Like there's going to be two people that are, you know, outside of that equation. Um, and even guys uh, that are taking their next steps up on, uh, in terms of the career, even, you know, Moses Moody, JK, those guys, they're going to want to have an uh, extreme impact on the team so we have to be able to put any agenda aside and say we're just trying to win and whatever it looks like is in the best interest of the team and that'll reveal itself as we go through so here's what's stuck out about that right i'm gonna put on my decoder ring what i think steph just said is look put your fucking egos to the side this is about winning a championship maybe who knows who it was to in particular but put your egos to the side roles don't matter let's go in there and win but he said it in a way in the least aggressive possible manner. He didn't put anyone into a defensive place, didn't put anyone on blast. He handled it, I think, in the exact right way. Okay. So, Maxim, I'm going to have a judgment theater or at least a, a follow up question for you. First, let me throw this to Mark. Mark, you covered this guy. Um, you have seen him in every step of his development at any stage ever to any question. Has there ever been an instance where you thought while he was responding, ooh, he didn't handle this one right, or this is going to get attention, you know, other places, or has he nailed all of them every time you've heard him speak? You're talking about Chris or stuff? 
Steph, yeah, Chris. <laughs> I, I don't have to go farther than like uh, you know what three weeks ago, dude. But for for yeah, Steph, I, I think I think Steph has never ever made a mistake as far as public messaging. And here, here's how I decoded that message. And this is in line with how the Warriors and Steph Curry act. Like Kevin Durant's the ultimate cheat code, and I think the underrated part of that is they both parties melded themselves together. But when you look at you know, the other examples of integrating DeMarcus Cousins or let's integrate young guys like Jordan Poole or now Chris Paul. It's almost been the opposite of how conventional teams work, where it's the new guys trying to fit in. Everyone who are incumbent players are marking their territory. With the Warriors, it is the welcoming mat. Let's make you feel empowered. But when that new visitor starts effing up, that's when they start marking their territory. Like there is a reason why Steph Curry started doing his things against Sacramento in game seven, as opposed to game one. Cause it was like, you know what, the hell with this, this isn't working out of the way. But I think their belief is that by being the welcoming Matt first, that that can make the new visitor feel empowered, be more willing to sacrifice and also have a, a level of appreciation and comfort to be who they are while also fitting in with the team. And, you know, look, the minute that they feel that a player is being too selfish or, you know, they're just becoming a liability, that's when Steph, Clay, Draymond say, you know what, get that, you know what, out of the way and let us do our championship thing. I love it. Um, And I've got a loaded, an absolutely loaded over-under for you here in a moment, Mark. Tailored specifically to you because you are not a homer and the rest of us are. And welcome, MT. Great to see you, man. Um, We'll incorporate you here in just two seconds. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So the judgment theater question is, could you handle that media game? If you were in some emotional setting, you know, and you had some tape deep in your heart that you wanted the world to know, but you knew if you said it, it's going to cause drama, you know, and you don't want to cause a fire for the team. Could you be like Steph and handle it perfectly well? 
talk a whole lot without actually saying something? Or would you succumb to emotion? You know, would, would, it, would it fucking leak out of you? And so I'll, I'll peel off Mark right from the jump. We don't even have to do Mark. Mark, of course, would play the media game. He's not going to make any mistakes. He's not going to be pissy. He would play it exactly right. In fact, it kind of annoys me, Mark, that you would handle it so well. So I'm going to keep you out of this one. But me, all right? Guess for me, boys. I'm on a team. I'm in the middle of some kind of a media circus. I have an opportunity to speak my mind or be on the, the team side. How do I handle it? Man, I mean, this is this is what you've trained to do, right? This is your whole career. So as much as I, I know that you can have a temper, I also know that you can control it, especially when it needs to be leveraged for some larger purpose. So I'm not I'm not concerned about putting you up there. Martin? Um, yes, I think that you can do the right thing while also protesting along the way. <laughs> what do you think, Andy? Um, <clears throat> I agree with Maxime. I think you, you know, the power of words going on record and you just know what it means to say the right things when the people are listening and, and scribbling down their notes for the world to hear it and see it. So I think you do a good job of keep it all in check, but your emotions run over as soon as those tape recorders like, hit stop. So I'm going to give myself a best case, worst case kind of deal here. Best case. Yeah. I handle it fine. I speak for a living. I'm in like pressure situations where your words won't matter. So I keep it in pocket and I'm good. So I'm positive that during a press conference, I'm not fucking anything up. Worst case, I would be a hacked Twitter guy. I could see it like 1 a.m. firing off some nasty tweet that I shouldn't have. You know, I'm finally just like, no, this is not fair. The world needs to know my story. And then immediately deleting it and then having to go to like my social media team. Like, all right, we got to tell them it got hacked. So I think that's where we would land with it. Um, let's go to another over under. And this one I'm kind of excited for. All right. So the number is 0.5, less than 1.5. The topic is how many times will Draymond Green be the subject of a national media story that did not originate on a basketball floor? All right. So it's not because he did something on the floor. It's because of something he said or did off of it. Marcus, why don't you take this one first over under 0.5 going into this next year? Off the floor. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to go under. So you say nothing, he gets through the full year without any big instances. There's not a podcast. He pissed people off. Nothing. I, I mean, he'll he'll do it, but it'll all be off on the floor type of stuff. I mean, I get if he if he talks about basketball on his podcast, does that count? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I just mean anything that didn't happen between the lines. So if he okay. records a podcast, unless he records that shit during a 48 minute game, it definitely counts as off the floor. <laughs> yeah, I'm still going to go under. I mean, I know he's, you know, he had the funny take about um, Mbappe's um, pay and, and whether or not Al-Halal had a basketball league. But, um, you know, I still think he keeps it in check for the season, especially knowing that these are the twilight years of him, Steph and Clay's run. <laughs> A fool jumped at a fake KG quote. It wasn't even actually KG, and he made it a big fucking deal. Of course it'll be over. Of course. Um, I think that Draymond is unapologetic about who he is and the conflict that causes. I also think that that personality trait is what's allowed him to be a Hall of Famer. But I think it is going to you know, result in more than 0.5. I don't know how many it'll be. 
but I do think he will occasionally say things without worrying about the consequences and the media will hop on it. Mark, why don't you be our, our tiebreaker here? What do you think, dude? Over or under? Oh, it's way over. I mean, <laughs> you already pencil in before the first uh, game against the Washington Wizards. Uh, there's going to be <laughs> podcasts and interviews in which he revisits the Jordan Bull situation once again. And I'm sure after the game, he'll revisit it. And then there's inevitably going to be things that happen in the game that he will discuss in his podcast that he has opinions about. And then he'll have the random tweets about, you know, maybe going to Saudi Arabia. Now, what does this all mean? I don't think it's going to mean anything other than that Draymond speaks his mind. I think that, you know, it's not asking for much, but there's not going to be any punches thrown. And there's no, there's no going to be beyond the customary technicals that happen every season with officials. There's not going to be any dramatic events that negatively impact the team. I think it's about moving past last season and showing that he can still play good basketball and make the Warriors not feel, you know, any buyer's remorse for giving him that extension. The balls it took. So, I mean, just following the bouncing ball, right? The the timeline. They go through a year that is marred um, behind the scenes with chemistry issues. They then admit during the offseason, yeah, look, we never got over the punch. They trade JP. They give Draymond the money. And so now, you know, we've moved on. It's fine. And then what? Two weeks later, he does another podcast where he brings up the Jordan Poole thing immediately and then tweets a bunch of times. This is a person who does not give a shit about the impact. And, you know, I, I do. I, I think that we will see it again. Um, all right. Equally as exciting topic. And Maxime, I'm going to give you this one first. All right. The number is 28 million. 28 million is our over under. Here's the question. How much money per year will Clay get in his next contract? So the, um, the point of reference, Draymond got 25, four years, 25 million each, $100 million contract. Uh, Clay is under contract for just one more year this next year. All right. Um, what do you think over under 28? You know, this is right. I, I, I have opinions, but I'm coming from clearly from a very fan oriented perspective. So I'm, I'm curious to hear what Mark has to say, but I have to believe it's going to be under for a couple of reasons. One, Draymond got the contract a year earlier. We're going to be a year closer to other contracts, um, coming up, you know, for Kaminga, for Moody at the same time, as weird as it sounds, there's something about Draymond that uh, there's more dimensions to how he ages uh, that, you know, I think he can still be a floor general. I think he can still um, be a defensive presence. Even if he's not going to be an on-ball defender, he sees the floor in a really important way. Clay is a catch-and-shoot player at the end of the day, one of the greatest of all time, but he's lost a step on defense. I hope he brings that back. But, you know, age is coming up against a couple of injuries that he's coming back from. If he doesn't have an all-star standout season, which is certainly possible, but I, you know, if I'm having to put money on this, I'm betting the under. Mark, I'm going to go to you with three straight questions, all right? All of which have an emotional impact. We just heard one of them, but I realized I skipped past the Steph one, so I got to give it to you, and then we'll go to Clay. Here's the Steph, the number, 0.5. The idea, how many championships left in his career? So if you asked Maxime, MT or I, we're all going to say over. That's why I'm giving it just to you. What do you think, man? Over, under, titles left for Steph. Oh, it's definitely the over. I mean, he's still playing. At a, he, he's been – what's so funny is I feel like since 2017, Steve Kerr has been saying that he's playing at his peak. Like, how can you peak for six-plus years? <laughs> but somehow Steph is doing that. 
you know, there's been times where, you know, you see fatigue or, you know, a few injuries here or there, but he's been playing, I think, almost the exact same way at a high level as he has, you know, prior and post that uh, forgettable 29-20 season when he, you know, was injured, you know, four games into the season. I mean, he has just not only been such a magnificent shooter, but just adding all those different layers with his strength, attacking the basket, you know, not being an elite defender, but like being a pretty good defender. Um, so, yeah, uh, he's definitely got more titles on the shelf. Maxime, send Mark at least two more free shirts, dude. At least. I mean, however many <laughs> yeah, at least. as long as he wears them, let's, let's get them at them too. All right. Emotional topic number two, the one you just heard. Over under 28 mil for Clay Thompson's next contract per year. Yeah. I'd have to think under as well for the same reasons that Maxime had. I think that Clay relatively can have a better season than last season, but I don't know if that's saying much because in the playoffs, you know, he'll be the first to admit that he did not play well whatsoever. And um, while I don't think that he's ever going to go to another team, I think that he will be a warrior for life. Next summer is going to be a lot of potentially awkward discussions about how they keep that. You know, do they get creative and say, Clay, okay, we'll pay you maybe close to that number, but it's just fewer years? Or do we give you longevity even in exchange for – cost savings, that's going to be the ultimate question. I think that both sides will be able to bridge that gap because of just the affection that they have for each other. But yeah, this is not a, you know what, even though you injured your uh, ACL in game six of the finals, we're not hesitating giving you the max. Like that's several years removed from that. And we have, while we did anticipate that there would be growing pains, I didn't anticipate that particularly in the playoffs, uh, that it would be this poor. Mark, you bastard. I said that only because I was so excited to ask this next question. Like I was like ramping up to it. I called it this emotional one. I thought we did a tease and it was going to be uh, years in Golden State, 1.5. Does he stay here for the rest of his career? And then he answered it already with that last answer. So I guess we already have it in pocket. Um, let's move to our next one because I know we have time constraints today. MT, I'll start with you. So our number is 30, all right? The idea is minutes per game for Chris Paul. So I'm not asking you if he starts or not. I want to know how many minutes he'll play. And I can tell you, having done a little research, over the last 10 years, the least amount of minutes CP3 has played during the regular season was 31.8. That was for the Rockets back in 2017. All right, so I'm putting the number now at 30. What do you take, MT? Under. I think they manage his minutes and um, he gets over 30 in the playoffs, but I think they keep him below it for the regular season. <clears throat> Do you think he's on board for it? Will we hear anything from him? I, I should be playing more minutes or was that just a momentary blip? And, you know, this this is exactly what he's here for. I think he'll he'll be in his feelings about it throughout the season. But once he realizes that he's fresh and, you know, he, there's a higher likelihood that he doesn't pull a hamstring or a groin muscle during the playoff run. I think he'll be okay with it as he starts to see how his body feels, especially in the dog days in the February, March of the season. So, um, you know, it'll be tough to start off, but I think he'll, he'll get on board with it. 
I think you would handle the media situation well, MT. I hate to say that, but going back to the Judgment Theater question, I think that if you were in a shitstorm, I think you would know to play it right, and I don't think you would fire off a tweet at the last and uh, wrong moment. Yeah, probably think, wouldn't. Right? And yeah, I wouldn't fire off a tweet for sure, um, and just conversation with Blash. Um, I just want to think. I think because of what Jalen Browns just got for a contract 60 million a year five-year 300 million max contract i think clay goes above 28 million i think he, you know you can't argue i think clay is too close to the player that jalen brown is in order to say that he gets you know a third of what jalen brown would get are you playing you know can i take my answer back mt is right okay he's gonna on. go I over mean, 28 between the fucking three of you guys let me first say marcus Topic ping pong, you bastard. I try to give you a judgment theater. I thought off we'd go and no, threw it to a different place. And before I can even make that joke, Mark hops right back in and agrees with you instead of me, which I don't like in any way. And I don't like how this thing has gone. Mark, because we don't have that much time and the CP3 question is an important one. What do you think, man? Over under 30 minutes per game for Chris Ball. And again, January 1st forward, because I got to figure out the rotations for a little bit. Yeah, I think all the average is going to be under. There's certainly games that he's going to be over, certainly games he's going to be under. And look, covering Chris Paul in different stops with his team, I think that this is going to be a good fit from a Nexus and O's personality standpoint. I do have questions about his durability, even with a reduced role, even with the Warriors uh, medical staff. That's good. You just never know. But I think that all the concerns about oh coming off the bench and how he's going to fit, I think you have to keep in mind a, a few things here. Um, just because Chris Paul is competitive and can be a pain in the, you know what, that doesn't mean that he doesn't sacrifice. Like he's sacrificed with all of his teams. He's always made them better. The number two, anytime that he's had tension with other teammates, it's because they're either younger or their work ethic isn't up to snuff. And with the Warriors core, those things aren't in question here. And then I think the third thing, while it wasn't the tact that I think would have been advisable for him to take, I think that his new coaching line really had more to do with the competitiveness in him and also the fact that he doesn't want to voluntarily demote himself yep. until the Warriors approach him. And now you wonder, well, why didn't the Warriors approach him and have these conversations, et cetera, et cetera. I'm sure they will have those conversations, but – we have to keep in mind that this was a trade, unlike when they got DeMarcus Cousins as a free agent. They could talk about philosophy and roles and fit. You don't have those discussions when you acquire a player in a trade prior to that. But I will say that, obviously, Steve has got to talk to him earlier the better just to lay the groundwork and do his massaging and also sell at the fact that, look, Andre Iguodala did it, valuable player did so many things to make our team better. You can do the same thing. And I think that's the route that it's going to take. But it's going to be the ultimate question of, can he stay healthy? That port that question is less important for the Warriors because of everyone else. But still, it's going to be an important one because he's going to be a key part of the rotation. Not only agree with you, I agree with you so much. I'm just going to adopt your points. All right. I'm not, I'm not going to go forward on that. You are absolutely right. Instead, I'm going to change my judgment theater answer for Marcus. I don't think he would handle it perfectly. I think we'd give him a question, then he'd answer something completely fucking else and make you talk about a topic that nobody wanted to go back to, which is not handled perfectly. I don't mind uh, don't mind saying in any way, shape, or form. Gentlemen, I promise to get us out of here at a certain time, and I think I'm going to land that plane. Um, so, Mark, 
I was looking forward to today. I always do when we have you on. You were phenomenal. And I know I'm not the only one thinking that way. For those out there who need way more Medina in their life, where do they go? Well, look, I don't mean to sound like a Wikipedia entry, but that's inevitable. I'll go on Warriors Huddle, but here, here are the things. Writing, we got Sports Not, Sporting Tribune, and uh, the new we added Sports Kita. TV, if you're in LA, I'm on Spectrum Sportsnet, CBS LA, National Lens, FS1. And then radio, it's all national with Fox Sports Radio. You know where to find us. You want to get us an email to tell us we're doing a good job, bad job, any job, you can shoot that too. Huddle at warriorshuddle.com. We're on numerous social media spots. Just check out a social media place of your choosing and type in Warriors Huddle. We're also on Patreon. Let me just say the people who do support us on Patreon mean the world to us. There's a Slack channel that has become almost a family-like environment. So shout out to our Patreon row. In fact, we're going to be having them in for an episode very soon here. Um, and with that in mind, go Warriors. Hopefully, we'll see you real soon. Good, good. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.